Wednesday. It is Wednesday, November 16th, and you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm. This is the Altcast here on Mutiny Radio. Still feeling the general malaise. Still feeling sad and empty. Not as crazy as last week, which uh, was a cathartic experience. But uh, I'm sure Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, is on her way. And I am here with you now. Is there any good news in the world? Like, I just... People have been grabbing women by the pussy. Comedians are being deported coming back from other places and I one of my friends posted uh, his karaoke friend that he came back from a trip to Seattle and he was getting off the plane and someone said go home go back to where you're from and because he's Asian uh, he lives here so now we just get to be outwardly racist to each other yay the future well, the future, I don't, God, I don't know what's going on, man. But I do know what's going on with drugpolicy.org. So that's, we're going to talk about that. Marijuana wins, wins big as dark struggles loom. Loom. You feel the looming? I feel it. It's from November 9th. This election day was a watershed moment for the movement to end marijuana prohibition. No other reform was approved by so many citizens on so many ballots this year. Legalization initiatives prevailed in four out of five states, and medical marijuana initiatives prevailed in all four states this year. It's a cognitively dissonant moment for those of us working to end marijuana prohibition and the drug war as we simultaneously reflect on this wide range of unprecedented victories and face the prospect of the federal government throwing a wrench at them, all the while digesting the the revelation of how deeply divided and unstable American society has become. President Obama has said that federal prohibition is not going to be tenable if California and other states legalize. But the prospect of Donald Trump as our next president is profoundly troubling. While Trump has repeatedly pledged to respect state marijuana laws, his rhetoric on broader criminal justice issues has been largely unfriendly. His vice president and his most likely appointees to senior law enforcement positions, Rudy Giuliani and Chris Christie, have consistently opposed marijuana law reform. For what it's worth, support for drug policy reform is rising among Republicans. All four states that approved medical marijuana this year also voted Republican. Medical marijuana amendments routinely passed the Republican-controlled House and Republican-controlled Senate Appropriations Committee over the past three years, while an amendment to end federal marijuana prohibition outright failed by just nine votes last year in the House. It will take some time for us to see silver linings, but if we are to move forward, we will have to find places of common understanding and shared values. We could only hope that the growing bipartisan and popular national support for ending the drug war and pursuing policies based on health and compassion will have some influence. 
The most significant of the victories was California's Proposition 64, which legalizes the adult use of marijuana in the nation's largest state. And it enacts across-the-board retroactive sentencing reform for marijuana offenses while establishing a comprehensive, strictly controlled system to tax and regulate businesses to produce and distribute marijuana in a legal market. Experts are calling Prop 64 the new gold standard for marijuana policy because of its cutting-edge provisions to undo the most egregious harms of marijuana prohibition on impacted communities of color and the environment, as well as its sensible approach to public health, youth protection, licensing, and revenue allocation. By shifting away from counterproductive marijuana arrests and focusing instead on public health, states that have legalized marijuana are diminishing many of the worst harms of the drug policy on the war on drugs while maintaining, managing to raise substandard new revenues. Substantial. Ugh, I'm sorry, guys, it's hard today. A recent drug policy Alliance report found that Colorado, Washington, Alaska, and Oregon have benefited from dramatic decrease in marijuana arrests and convictions, as well as increased tax revenues since the adult possession of marijuana became legal. And at the same time, these states did not experience increases in youth marijuana use or traffic fatalities. Tuesday's results also have monumental international ramifications as momentum grows to end marijuana prohibition in Europe and the Americas. Over the past two years, Jamaica has enacted wide-ranging marijuana decriminalization. Colombia and Puerto Rico issued executive orders legalizing medical marijuana. And medicinal marijuana initiatives have been debated in Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, and Italy. In 2013, Uruguay became the first country in the world to legalize marijuana on the na national level. And Canada's governing Liberal Party promised to do the same. Uh, and then they have uh, a little map where things are legal uh, and what's been going on. Among the highlights of Tuesday's results, Prop 64, California, blah, 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 Massachusetts, yay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we already know all that. Uh, hi, LaToya, how are you doing? Ramping. Oh, no. So I'm going to smoke some marijuana. Yeah, that's good. How are you? I yeah. am a little bit hungover. I got to be honest. Uh, had a show last night in, had two shows last night and uh, started drinking whiskey early and, oh, no. and I haven't done it in a long time. And Jonathan wasn't around because he was too tired. He didn't want to come out with me. So I, uh -oh. I was out pretty late. I had a show, FCC free show. I was on John Miller's program. That was really interesting. Nice. And then... I had a show at the layover in Oakland. So I got a ride out there with Cheryl White and then she hung out and then I was, she bought me a huge tumbler of whiskey. And then I performed and bless you, I think I did okay. I mean, I think I did really well. Everyone was laughing and it was a full house and people told me I was funny. So I assumed I was funny, but I was pretty wasted. And I had two IPA, so I had, I had an IPA at Bender's in the afternoon and then I went to the John Miller show on FCC Free, and I had two, they bought me two shots of whiskey. Dun dun dun. I know. In so, and then I got in the car with Cheryl, and we went to the layover where I got a drink ticket, so I got an IPA, but then she bought me a tumbler of whiskey, <laughs> and then after that, I had another IPA. It was the whiskey. And it was like two small shots of whiskey and one big, so it was basically like four shots of whiskey. And you don't get down with the brown that much And I, I don't drink whiskey after dark. And so last night I did. 
And uh, so I ended up selling marijuana to some Israelis on the street in the Tenderloin. <laughs> of course that happened. I mean, I'm coming home alone. I get off the BART. I'm reading my book on the BART, and I'm having a great time. I'm laughing and laughing. I'm laughing. Stephen King's Talisman is really great with Peter Straub, 1984. Great book. Um, and so I'm laughing and laughing on the train. And I get off the train, and I'm like, I, I can do this. This is easy. Um, and I'm walking. I look at the bus, and the bus isn't coming. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I got to walk. So I'm walking. And I'm walking on Geary. And I'm like half a block from my house. I'm not on my block yet. <laughs> half a block from my house. And this guy starts like talking to me. And he says, ah, I'm going to ask a question. You're going to answer, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? And then I said, oh, I don't have time for this. I have a boyfriend. And he's like, no, answer my questions anyways. So he asked me some questions. And, and I was like, where, where are you from? Or whatever. And he's like, I'm Israeli. I'm like, oh, I love Israelis. And so I was like, were you in the Israeli army? He's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And his friends come back and we're talking about stuff and I start singing songs. I'm like, listen, you guys, Yama Vakedma Savona Venegma, Yama Vakedma Savona Venegma, <laughs> which is north, south, east, and west in um, Yiddish or whatever, or nice. Hebrew, in Hebrew. And then I, I go, Lo Yisakoyel Goherev. And they just start laughing. They're like, are you Jewish? And I was like, kind of, sort of, yeah. <laughs> the last day's Benjamin. They're like, oh, Ben, I mean. They're like, do you know where we can get any weed? And I was like, yeah, I've got some. Nice. I've got this. I'm like, I got this big bag of shake, though. I'm like, I, you know, I couldn't ask you for more than ten dollars, and it was, it's a huge bag of shake, of green, sh just a huge bag. I, but it was a huge bag, right? Right. And I'm like, ah, ten dollars. He's like, do you have change? And I'm like, I don't. So I said, ah, just take it, my Israeli brothers. I love Israeli Aww. Israelis. And he goes. He gives me a 20 and he goes, no, 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 take the 20. I'm like, oh, okay. So I took the 20 bucks. I'm Sweet. like, I just made $20 on the street. I'm drunk on the fucking street selling <laughs> marijuana to shitty old shaky marijuana. A lot of it, though, to, the to Israelis. Israeli army. To the Israeli army. <laughs> what a Tuesday. On a Tuesday night. It was like 11, it was like 11 o'clock. 11.30, maybe. It was 11.30. Add that to the chapter of the Pam Benjamin story. Yeah, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to sell some weed to the Israelis. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I, I, <laughs> You know what? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I'm too trustworthy. They could have been cops. <laughs> Thus, well, with Prop Six, well, Prop Six Four does come into January, so yeah. I tried to give it to them though. That's the thing. I was like, yeah. you know, what? I don't have change. Just take it. And he's like, oh no, I'll give you twenty. And I was like, oh okay, I'll take that. You Thank take you. that. It was worth twenty dollars. Oh yeah, because now you got twenty bucks. I got twenty bucks. I didn't want that weed anyways. And those guys are stoked because the rest of their vacation they get to smoke tons exactly. and tons of reefer. Exactly. And they only spent $20. And they only spent $20. It's a ton too. It's like, it was like, it more than a quarter. So in other words, they, they, they'll they probably get high off the shake and stuff, which okay, is cool. super high. I mean, I, I was smoking that stuff. I didn't care. Yeah, I mean, good for them. Enjoy your vacation, boys. Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is that what's wrong with me that I feel comfortable talking to strangers on the street when I've been drinking whiskey? Uh, because we let our inhibitions go once alcohol comes into play. And I'm not usually that effusive. Like, I don't. Well, you know what? You started off with, like, you said something like, I have a boyfriend. I did. I started you out know, with that. Because it's just like, oh, no. Because we're so used to that factor. It's like late at night. I want to talk to nobody. No, I got a boyfriend. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, and they were these Israeli guys, good looking Israeli guys, but clearly in their 20s. Right. And I'm just like, I can't even mess around with these guys. But I, not like I would mess around, but I mean, I was just like, ugh, not. But we got in a conversation and then I ended up being like, oh, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's moments like that sometimes 
seems like on the street where it's just random as fuck like you know you're probably buzzed or drunk or what have you and you just meet somebody or some people and they kind of make your night you kind of have this connection in some way and the fact that the matter is that you made some profit off of it it's pretty cool i'm so excited that i have 20 dollars now I mean, to do whatever i want with unexpected 20 dollars no i mean it's really exciting for me i i will most likely spend it at vendors that is probably they they, they are the ones that find all of my all of my extra <laughs> you're not gonna yeah. get some foie gras with it oh my god I, okay so this brings up a couple different points one I got the Dean, I didn't get the Dean and DeLuca catalog. It was in my building. Someone had left it out and I was like, I would like to check this out. People have too much money. Do you know what Dean and DeLuca is? Uh, Dean and DeLuca, that sounds familiar. What is it? It's like Richie Pants foods that they send to people in the mail. Oh, I've seen ads for that. Like gifts and stuff. But it is so expensive. They've got like, oh, get your loved one the snack box. And it's like... $180 $180 for snacks. I was like, you could go to Trader Joe's and you could buy your own motherfucking snacks and put them in a go box to and send them. Shit. You can go to Costco, shit. Well, oh, Costco has great baskets, too. But yeah. I was What's just... What's it called? Dean and DeLuca? Dean and DeLuca. And it was... There were cookies. There were... Okay, so I like to make gingerbread cookies and I frost them and then I, you know, put the little the royal icing and the pretty sugars. But there was like 24 cookies for $75. And that's not even shipping is $14 on top of it. I'm like... Oh my God, have I been devaluing my snacks? Like, my cookies have weed in them, and I wouldn't even charge you that much. And it's like, there's like, uh, you know, the little marzipan things, or the, yeah. the, the fluffy, the, the little, the, they're like cookies, but they look like little cakes, but they're not, and they have a- So they're out of California, huh? It's crazy. They have, they have the craziest stuff. Okay, so one of them is even like, oh, get the, get the, uh, you know, salami, charcuterie, blah, 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 yes, blah, blah. And it's like $180 for four eight ounce pieces of stuff. And it's like, what? What? And I just, I can't believe, I can't believe that then they have shipping on top of that. Wait, they have what they have on their website. They have, this is cheapest gifts under 50. Gifts under a hundred, gifts under hundred fifty, and this is just some freaky deaky like Food snack sense. shit. Snack shit. Well, like it's like, oh, well, uh, crackers are made in Italy. And there's the, oh my god. There's some, and then the, the salmon with the smoked salmon. For real? So like. Yeah. So ninety nine dollars for like some fucking crackers. For tapas, like so olives, olives or olives something, and, and cheese, and not a cheese wheel, but like a cheese. Four wheel. ounces of small yeah, portion of cheese. This is ridiculous and like and then the shipping's on top of it and then they have the breakfast with Dean and DeLuca which has like jams and bread and I don't think the basket comes with it I I, I doubt it but it's 155 I I know right so how is it possible 75 oh hell no I I like to eat good but come on now really this is like my this is groceries for like a week or no two three weeks but it's not that fancy you can find these things at you can go to like Gus's or Whole Foods and find the exact same shit nuts for $50 right nuts 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 for 50 what What? I'm like what kind of there better be some magic ass nuts in it with some gold yeah (laughs) like those nuts better jizz on me but what is wrong (laughs) what is wrong that this exists People have this much money? I mean, I know. Who spends this much money on anybody? I love I love my boyfriend and I would ne- I mean, I love him and Christmas is our anniversary too. But like I we can't. 
I would never. And if I was gonna, okay, so like last year I got him the Raiders tickets, uh, and so but it was 400, 200 a piece. So I was like buying myself a gift, but me being there was a gift for him. Anyways, but $400 is like, if I'm gonna spend $400, what are you gonna, did people buy the gift bag? There's like, there's like more than four hundred dollar gift baskets. There's like a three ninety nine gift basket. That give the ultimate gift if you really care. And it's like, I'm just what? getting mad. I'm I'm going through their website and I'm just getting more pissed off by just going further down and seeing like they have like things like barbecue sauces, like it's a basket of barbecue sauces and oils and a rub, uh, American Grill one forty nine. Right. I'm like, Really? But so this gave me a this good idea. Like, if I want to give people gifts of food, I make it yourself. I make it myself. And I was just, I think that this year I'm going to make some really special pot, like gingerbread men. And, oh, that's um, cool. And then frost them really cutely. Like, I know how to make, um, I can make the royal icing or whatever. So it's like, they look like really professional. And I can, I can make them have like bikinis and put like stars on them with like, you know, little, I can. I can do things with, uh, you know, what are they called? Toothpicks. You can tell yeah, this whatever. place is from Northern California. That is expensive as fuck. I, I just, it just makes me so confused that that Crackers? exists. What? But the thing is that <laughs> they have a website. They have a beautiful, beautiful catalog, which means they're making money, which means this people, works, which means people are buying it, which is yeah. what I'm saying. How much expendable income do you have? That this is, you're going to, it's so disposable. <laughs> it's so disposable that you're just going to throw it away. You can get this stuff at other places, but is it that you're lazy or that you just don't know how to? You can't. I, I think it's the fact that it's the name thing. It's like the branding and people know about like gourmet foods people like the namesake just like people like namesakes when it comes to like you know clothing and purses and stuff but i feel like even if you do have money you have to be have somewhat kind of i don't know a little bit of frugalness right to you like the frugality I why why pay is fifty dollars for some goddamn nuts no, okay that, that fifty dollars will go to a bottle of wine or something or you know sure a wine that has a, a very special vintage, I, but not for some damn nuts. And I'm definitely not going to spend a hundred and five dollars on a crack, a sort of cracker and oil. <laughs> like, you kidding me? Those are some shoes. I, well, but <laughs> that's a vacation. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that there are, there are, we are too rich. Oh God, we not are much too longer. rich. Not much longer. Well, no, but like, I think that's why he won is that like the there are people that are rich and they want to stay that way or something I don't I don't understand because it's hard is, for me to wrap my head around having that much money that you can be that wasteful in I just but there's so many of there it's big they're I it's, just can't it's, understand. You know, it, it's it's I'm, pretty sad, you know, and especially this is when the, hol- the with the holidays coming up, this is when the prowl gouging goes up because it doesn't even matter if you do have the money or not to afford something like that on the website because people who don't even have the money would pay that much for it because it's a certain lifestyle that they're trying to get to, but it's out of their means it, because us as Americans <clears throat> don't live within our means. And there's, it's okay to splurge or what have you, but people are chasing this American dream that just doesn't exist anymore. Well, what is it? Let's talk about that. What is the what? What, what was? What what is <laughs> what? What is the American dream? And what do we think? Like, my idea of the American dream I is vastly different than 
I think where where you grew up and how your family was and where you live in your environment would be someone's idea of the American dream. It's five bedroom house, three bathroom. Right. Really great school district. Right. Two cars. Right. Two cats. Two parents. Two parents. <laughs> right. Two parents, two cats, two kids. Right. So that picture right there would be the American dream. But when you go inside the house, <laughs> right. you know, people don't realize the American dis- dream is very dysfunctional. Well, I mean, it's we're taught to live on credit. Bad and, idea. Well, I, I mean, I don't understand owning a house anymore. I, I, I remember, remember being a child and my parents would argue about the mortgage and I was like we're in that much debt like it freaked me out and when I owned a house with my ex-husband um, it freaked me out the concept that we owe $650,000 to yeah. some entity to live here it, like it's hard for me to and wrap my brain around that you don't know who this entity that. is you just know you just signed it right the paper right and- you know, be just, I mean, it's scary. The housing crisis, for example, which right. we're still like creeping out of because of that. I find yeah. it very scary to own property. I do. Uh, I, I Because I'm afraid again. of, especially after the housing market crisis, I'm afraid to like even buy property, own a house, own a condo because I, it's not mine and it probably never will be mine because I'm, I got to take out the loan. I got to pay that mortgage back. You know, is there any chance that I will be able to pay it back? What what if the markets are shaky? Anything can happen. So that's why it's very scary. But it is good to own your property. But I'm also a gypsy, too. I don't like to stay at a place. Well, I just realized I, I can't I can't leave because then I would lose my apartment. I oh, yeah, that I'll never I'd never be able to come back to San Francisco. And I talked to a friend last night about that. I didn't realize, I didn't understand what rent control was. I didn't understand that it's housing that was built after 1975. So if you're renting a place, and this happened to her, she lived in the Soma, and the Soma started gentrifying, and her rent like tripled. And it's legal to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, well, what? Yeah. Her rent went from like, 3000 to 5000 and then oh. they tried to make it 6000 for a two bedroom in the Soma. Are you whoa, 5000? Oh, damn, you can't even buy a house. Uh, well, that's like more than my mortgage was when I owned a house. It was I mean 5000 a month. That's terrible. It's insane. I mean, that's really insane. I I can tell you I did the math after living in my apartment for 8 years in Chicago and I was just kind of live it cuz I'm like, damn, I could have put money uh, down payment on the house living here, but I didn't pay that much. You know, I paid my portion was for $600 a month. That's that's good rent. Yeah, that's great rent. And I added that times like eight years of being in that place. Right. But I'm just trying to imagine people living here that are paying that much. And it's just like, oh my God, that's a million dollar house that I could have. Right. Over the year. Like if, I, if I'm paying that much over a couple of years, just a couple. Ooh, I that's frightening. I, I think it's scary that the concept exists and it's the truth that people are paying $5,000 to live in this city. Five thousand a month. I was just—that's um, crazy. That's that's astronomical, but it's real, and and it's so. I don't know what is the—is it going to end? Could it? Does it just keep going up and up until? It will. Yeah, it's going to keep going up. My friend sent me this um, via text message today, an article in the SF Chronicle, in a wealthy uh, San Francisco neighborhood residents fight 
low-income housing. Fight it. Yeah, they're yeah fighting low-income housing because low-income people aren't good enough. What's wrong? Because yeah, we're not good neighbors. Yeah, you're basically. only a good neighbor if you make lots of money. Yeah, that's just like. I mean, oh, the class. So, so this is what he, my friend, uh, it was, I guess it was under uh, Facebook or what have you. So this is what he posted. He said to the parent that is concerned with mental illness and drug addiction, the people of Forest Hills should be more scared of you and not low income seniors. Some experts would argue that having more than four glasses of Chardonnay in one sitting is a sign of drug addiction and could lead to mental illness. Maybe it's you who needs the, uh, the psych evaluation and not the low income seniors <laughs> I, I I mean seniors yeah that you make I didn't even think about the seniors I'm thinking like teachers in this city are low income everyone's right. low income yeah everyone's low I know I am shit I mean it's and I have two jobs and I work six days a week now so yeah. But the thing is, it's just like, I, you know, this class divide's only going to get worse now. Oh, yeah, of course. It's just, oh. Well, now we get to be openly racist to each other. Oh, That's yeah. basically what happened last <laughs> week. So there's, I posted an article uh, that got a lot of response and a lot of sharing on my stupid Facebook page. But about um, since Donald Trump was elected, president-elect, uh, women have been getting their pussy scrapped. Oh, yeah, I read a story about that They've been getting people... Actually, so now sexuals. we have now people have the freedom to sexually assault women at their leisure and to be overtly racist to people. My friend posted a thing about how he was getting off of a plane and someone said, go back where you came from. And he <laughs> lives here in these Asian. So now we get to be we get to be racist against Asians openly. Oh, and the Jews are they're get They got they're getting theirs, too. They got the, the Jews. Steve, What's the, wrong with the Jews now? Oh, no. The, uh, Steve Bannon, who is uh, he's the CEO of Breitbart, uh, which is a alt-right conservative uh, website. Oh, how he is the chief of staff. Wow. Woo. Yeah. yeah. And he don't like the Jews. Oh, oh, yeah. good. Or so, the gays or the, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's are we going to have bad. gay conversion therapy now for yes. everyone? Is that what's going to yeah. happen? Mr. Pence is going to come into your living room. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see how, I haven't been paying attention to like the markets or what have you in the Dow Jones. I usually don't, but I think I'm going to now because I just want to see how much of a roller coaster ride the economy is going to be. I'm actually more afraid of the economy dropping again. I really am. See, that's, that's the beauty of uh, being a, a really poor socialist is that Honestly, it doesn't matter if the economy, I'm still, I'm still going to make, I, my life won't, doesn't change because I'm just a leech, you know, anyways, I'm a service industry. I'm like a, it, my, it's only going to get better for me as they kick immigrants out of the country because I'm the one doing that labor. <laughs> I'm the nanny, right? Like if Lupita and Consuela get sent back to Venezuela, I'm set. There's still, everyone's going to, and everyone loves a, a bougie nanny, you know? <laughs> I'm not you bougie. Might get your I'm a pussy socialist. Grabbed by the the dad often. Oh, I'm so. sure I'll get pussy grabbed by yeah, everybody. No. I mean, because women. I'm. It's just so scary. It's 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 very scary. I mean, and then like you know, you were just talking about like prop Proposition sixty four. I mean, if he puts a, uh, Rudy Giuliani in as Attorney General, which so they scary. don't like weed. Mm-mm. That my, or Chris Christie, most definitely. Yeah, they've been well. Look what Giuliani did with the stop and frisk and everything that happened in New York. That's and coming back alive. You know, they've been working for years, uh, drug 
uh, policy drug alliance drug policy alliance uh, or drug policy dot org. Uh, they've been fighting to change those restrictive laws that were put in place in New York that were totally racially motivated and biased and uh, it is it's like I feel like everything is going backward and and I don't know. It's falling apart. And then the children were marching. Oh, they were so cute. It brought a tear to my eye on Monday as I was walking here, actually, for Joke Workshop. And I decided to walk instead of taking the bus. And I was going through by the city hall. And the sun was still out, so it was like, I don't know, 4 o'clock. And 3, 4 o'clock. And the kids were marching. And they were, and they were like maybe 250, 300 of them. And they were all marching and shouting and stuff. And I just, I wanted to yell at them. It doesn't matter. Nothing not you do president. matters. Not, yeah, not my president. And we are gay. Yay. Not the gay. So they were saying happy things about like, but you know, they're being positive and saying. This is what we liberals do, president. though. We like to march and stuff and protest, which it, it to me is, I am one of those. But now we got to get vicious. Well, I just wanted to yell at them. It doesn't matter. Nothing we do matters because we don't have the money. The rich people will always, always win. Now, why do the rich people not like women and gays and Muslims and Asians and who else did, who else did black want, people and... They want to keep it pure. Immigrants. It's, it's all about keeping it pure. I don't get it. Because, because other people aren't worthy of having the lifestyle it just it seems so horrible to me to hoard that lifestyle and if people could just want a little bit less you greedy motherfuckers you fucking greedy assholes you president-elect greedy asshole share what didn't your parents teach you how to share and how sharing is caring and it's nicer we don't need we don't need Dean and DeLuca you don't need to have that much you can have a little less What's wrong with us? I want it all. That's it's what's what it wrong. Is. I am so upset with the people that have such. We don't need. You don't need a four bedroom house if there's two of you. You don't need it. We don't need as much as we think we need. Why do we think we need? Why do we think we deserve this much? We, we're entitled little babies. Well, and it's awful. I think we deserve an ass whooping now. Absolutely. I mean, seriously. Because. A lot of people ain't going to have any money to buy anything. And I think it's going to be a lot of the people who voted this way that are going to suffer. Ha ha. You know, because minorities been suffering the whole time. We've been trying to climb up to that American dream. Some of us had we've had it's happened for us. The majority it has not because it's built by design for us to fail. So but I just going to sit and watch white people get destroyed. I've, I, you know, I feel similarly as a woman that I, it, that I was built to fail, that I've been, I've been built to fail, that they, they're never going to give me, I'm never okay. going to be equal. I'm never going to be as, I, I'm never going to be good enough. Two steps back. But unless, if I want the American dream, well, you better be a wife and shut the fuck up. It's it just, it's, and that this is a problem is that it's prostitution without being paid literally. But it's, if you are a great wife and your husband's, you know, and you just, and you have the kids, but they never have to pay you literally or any payroll tax or anything. So a, a woman could work for 30 years and then 
She has no social security. What if her husband leaves her because she's not pretty enough or because her tits don't look good anymore because because she's too old or he just wants younger pussy because he's got so much money. All that time that she put in is meaningless. She has no social security. She has nothing. And why? But it's that's why they don't like women in the workplace. That's why we are underpaid because this is what it is too. When you hear people talk about women who aren't married, who are single or heavy, who, you know, have a great career, there's something wrong with us. Because if we're not married and have a man by us or have a child and that supposedly American dream, we're 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 worthless. We're, we're bitches or, you know, what's wrong with you or you're a spinster. So I feel like a lot of the reasons why, especially with the election, why women especially voted toward Trump, most of those women, white women that did that, voted for Trump, married white women, because they don't have their individuality anymore. It's all about their husband. And I feel like a lot of married women, not all, but some, lose their individuality when they get married. Well, they get, once you have kids, it's all about the kids. You're, you're just a caretaker. You're not a real person anymore. Your wants and needs are secondary, constantly. Right. And of course, you're, of course, the kids are the number one. That's the thing. And that's the problem. You weren't thinking about number one. You weren't thinking about the kids and how they're going to be raised in, the, in this environment that now that you voted for as a mother, because mothers are supposed to be the most nurturing people and the ones that can handle conflict the most because i mean mothers are badasses i'm not one yet because i'm scared to be one so that i'm not badass enough yet for that but the fact of the matter that a lot of white suburban women voted this way i do have kids they did this i want to see who actually voted for trump because i don't want to talk to those people or be friends with those people ever again I, I, I want to know. I want to see who were. Who are you? Come out of the shadows. Where are they from? Now I want to beat them up. <laughs> why? Why all the work that we've done for so long, women? Are the we putting it? We're, gone. we're pushing it back. What's wrong? And with then us? for the white straight males that voted this way, and who the, who aren't wealthy? Because a lot of wealthy white straight males voted for Trump. The ones who aren't you know he's not going to bring your jobs back he's not going to provide for your family you took you did not take the time out to do your research to protect your family you're too worried about like the negative side or the fact of i like the way he talks or i talk like that but no what about protecting your family and for the christians out there that voted for him oh lord y'all going to hell <laughs> i mean yeah i that's blasphemous and then there's something in the bible in the ten commandments that says uh thou shall not uh what is it thou shall not uh bear false witness he's a big liar no not well that one and I got uh, the idolatry bowing down to, to graven false, images uh, worship idol gods yeah, yeah it's the it's the well yeah I mean we we worship money I don't okay so I don't think money I worship is the nothing. number one end all be all but it this is what it comes down to is that we are entitled dumb dumb I believe in the dumb dumb and entitled and want more and feel like we deserve more and intelligent like I just can't even I just can't even I mean that's what it comes down to I just can't even and you know the thing is it's just (laughs) I I I just I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it like 
I don't like it when a lot of politicians use, you know, the kids, children as a pawn to get elected. But this, this one's different because now you have high school kids writing shit on the wall saying, go back to your country or what have you. And you have um, kindergartens, kindergartners harassing other kindergartners, which bullying's always been there, but this is at another level. Yeah, so this is the, here's the article. Um, it's from the, from the UK. Women are already getting reported uh, women are already reporting strangers grabbing them by the pussy oh, after God. Trump election win. So um, one woman's uh, Facebook status in which she describes being sexually assaulted by a man in a Make America Great Again hat has gone viral with around 2,600 shares at the time of writing. An audio leaked during the election campaign, Trump infamously remarked that he would grab um, women by the pussy. Today I went to stock up on cigarettes, energy drinks, and alcohol, Amanda Shore wrote. I got out of my car and made it halfway to the store before a man in a Make America Great Again hat grabbed me by the crotch and whispered, Are you scared now, you liberal cunt? I froze. I ran back to my car once he walked away and drove straight home. She added that she had had a Bernie Sanders sticker on her car, left over from the Democratic primaries at the beginning of the year. I need to remove the Bernie sticker on my car to be safe, she continued. I don't think I'll feel safe in this country ever again. Amanda's shocking story isn't the only one to emerge since Trump was elected president of the US. An African-American woman, Ashley Boyer, wrote that she was racially abused while f filling up her car with petroleum. The attackers, she said, called her the N-word and said they would shoot her if there weren't people around. Her status has been shared with more than more than uh, 86,000 times. Just experienced one of the worst things in my entire life, Ashley wrote. While pumping gas, I had a vehicle pull up beside me. Out jumps four males, all of whom were Caucasian. And they proceed to talk about the election and how they're glad they won't have to deal with N-words much longer. <laughs> now, me being myself... By myself, I just kept quiet until one walked over to me and said, how scared are you, you black bitch? I should just kill you right now. You're a waste of air. Still, I said nothing, kept my head down. He then proceeds to say, what are you deaf or something, you N-word? And then another guy steps out and shows me his firearm. He says, you're lucky there's witnesses or else I'd shoot you right here. By now there's tears, full-blown tears, they leave. I have called the police, but I am shaken, upset, and confused. What is America going to be like from here on out? Wait, there's going to be more to come. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm, I, I heard that the small children are doing it too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look one up. I, um, I'm just waiting for someone to call me a nigger. It's going to happen. At San Francisco, though, no one's going to do that. Oh, uh, let me tell you what happened in the marina last week. Yeah, go. Go okay, crazy. So one of our bartenders, he is a regular at this bar um, in the marina, goes there all the time. It was uh, when Trump won uh, last Tuesday. He was in the bar. He has a, you know, he's a surfer dude. He has a nose ring, what have you. So a guy that has a Make America Great Again hat. Yeah. Uh, comes up to him he's like I like your nose ring fucking faggot <gasps> this is in San Francisco so that's why well, I'm like I don't I don't 
I don't disagree. And there were some 2%. people like the word. I mean, some people don't take the offense to the that particular f word anymore. Um, no, if you. But if you, I guess if you call. First of all, he had a "Make America Great Again" hat. Okay. What does that tell you? That's right. Your, okay, I got you. Yeah. I got you. So, the bartender, my bartender friend, end up punch him in the face. Oh, really? Yeah. Like. It's, it, it doesn't matter what well, city you're verbal in. assault. It's been happening in New York. Are it we allowed in- to fight people? We're not allowed to fight people because it's assault, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. If someone hits you first, if someone called you the N-word and you That's punched crime. them in the face... I'm are you myself. are you okay or are they gonna get are you gonna get in trouble are you gonna get an assault charge? by this point i really don't give a fuck i think you get assault an assault charge but um but when people call me bad words or call me like names about being a woman or say like i'm gonna rape you you cunt face that's a threat right but then i just stay quiet and run away i'm not gonna like be i'm not gonna do no. anything if i'm like i'm, I'm gonna, gonna punch be like, somebody I'm scared. I'm uh, scared. certain words have a sharp edge like if someone calls me a nigger, there have been times when I've had it, I had to hit somebody because of that. You, I'll show you a nigger, all right? I just can't. I, can't I just believe I, I don't. I. And the, the thing is, it's not. It's not, it's not just in rural America, sweetheart. It's happening here. I've been reading yeah. stories about what's happening in Brooklyn. This lady got punched in the face at a restaurant in uh, in Brooklyn this week because this guy was overhearing them talk about the election. And the results, the, the guy, the woman did not know the gentleman at all. He just overheard them talking uh, about the election and how she was disappointed in, uh, in the fact that Trump won. Minding her business, private conversation. Uh, the guy asked to move um, to a different table. They, uh, the managers moved them to a different table. And then they ate, the guys left. The guy comes back, punches the woman in the face. Because... She expressed her dislike. That's the, the kind of world we live in, sweetheart. I can't. I, this is crazy. Girl six asks, Mom, what does it mean to grab someone by the pussy? A six-year-old girl watching a report about Donald Trump on TV turned to her mother and asked, what does it mean to grab somebody by the pussy? Shocked Rachel McIsaac Parker had to ask her daughter to repeat herself. And then she saw the White House hopeful talking on the TV. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. I just kiss. I don't even wait. Trump could be heard saying in a decade old recording. The assistant principal said she was forced to explain to her young daughter about certain sexual behavior in terms a child could understand, reports reports the Washington Post. Parker told the newspaper, I told her we need to talk about our bodies and that sometimes bad people touch our bodies without permission. But then her daughter asked if the Republican was a bad man. What do you even say to that, she added. Within hours of the footage emerging, the shock of the video led to widespread condemnation from inside Trump's own party. But it also created a difficult situation for parents who were unsure how to explain the remark to their quizzical children. People on social media also raised the quandary. Uh, So what do you say? They don't tell us what to say. We're gonna talk about our bodies. (laughs) <laughs> wow like this is this is our world now that's awesome it's awesome well, but it's, i'm 
I mean, I, I can say this much. You know, once these, you know, we definitely have to get the Democrats back into the Senate and the House of Republicans. That's oh, for sure. This is great. Uh, pussy grab porn videos from Pornhub. Um, that must be like a new oh, porn God. thing now. Like, actually, they're, that's crazy. Those are the first two things that oh show up. Oh, my God. No way. And I love Pornhub. <laughs> wow. Pussy grabbing is a thing. You men are so stupid. You, there is just no. I'm just trying to think of the angle of how do you grab like. It's just the, the bump. The thing that the bummer about it is, it's not. I don't understand how it could be an enjoyable experience it's for not. anybody. Like it's not going to be comfortable for me. I'm not going to feel good about it. And why would you want to do that? And where, like, and how, which angle are you gonna have? <laughs> like, how are you? It's two lips, and then the inside, and you can't really technically really grab a pussy. It's uh, this is from uh, <laughs> this is from the New Statesman, which is uh, you know. It's like they're like our people. It's Donald our Trump. People. <laughs> Donald Trump has grabbed America by the pussy, and it's women who will suffer. I mean, it is. We're going to put feminism back. A while ago, a friend asked me a problem. Why, he asked, is feminism structurally weak? Feminism should, after all, be a dazzling, powerful, dazzling, powerful political movement. Women marginally outnumber men. The evidence that we are the subjugated class is everywhere, from the wage gap in, to sex ratio in senior jobs to our woeful absence from political positions to the grim inequality of the housework split to the daily drip 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 of advertising telling us exactly how wrong our bodies are those things should fit together into a simple plan get the biggest gang together and force the other side to turn over what's ours by right but this has never happened and since today it has failed to happen on a tragic global scale Donald Trump has beaten Hillary Clinton because he was a man running against a woman. There are many ways to dress up his victory, but only one that explains it. This was a referendum on sex roles and America voted racist penis. <laughs> it didn't uniformly vote penis, of course. The popular vote was tight and a lot of Americans looked at the two candidates and chose the one with political experience and principles over the failed businessman voicing barely coherent demagoguery. This was not a hard choice between two flawed candidates or a hunt for the lesser of two evils. However, much of the press insisted it was. And however much many people reflexively felt this to be true, this was a choice between a good woman and a terrible man. And the terrible man won because being a man is more valuable than being good. The spurious anxiety about Clinton's emails, a scandal in which she was only guilty of making the same mistake that Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice had made before her and using personal email for governor, government business, sloppy, but hardly the height of corruption, Ew. stood in for a general feeling that something must be wrong with her. Indeed, for her whole career, she's been told she's wrong. She's been called a feminazi and accused of being a phony feminist sellout. She's been criticized for smiling too much and for not smiling enough. She's been labeled a communist as well as a neoliberal Wall Street crook. She's none of those things, but she is female, and that is the unforgivable thing. 
of all the things that I am raging over today, the racism, the lies, the hideous irrelevance of the sexual assault allegations against Trump. Perhaps what I'm most angry with is my own confidence that this time being female might not matter. This woman is saying everything I feel and think. It is unbelievable. Yet it mattered when the Democrats found themselves suddenly mysteriously drawn toward the whimsical radicalism of Bernie Sanders. It mattered when the Republicans chose as their opponent to Clinton, a man who represented everything about entitled white male fury. Nothing in this election has mattered more than the fact that Clinton is a woman. So it's not just a painful irony that the man she lost to is the man who bragged about grabbing women by the pussy. It's a democratic statement of women's place in the world. Every hashtag Bernie or bust voter who felt okay picking Jill Stein, but not a woman who could actually win. This (laughs) is your president. Every self-professed liberal who said, I'd love a woman leader, just not this woman. This is your president too. You looked down into the Trumpian abyss and saw violence, the coziness with Putin, the KKK endorsement. And yes, you saw the pussy grabbing too. And you weighed all of that against a woman in power. And you decided you just weren't ready to let her have a chance yet. Mm, You just weren't ready. (laughs) This includes women as well as men, of course, because one of the reasons we, meaning women as a class, have never managed to properly get our shit together is that it's very easy, very seductive for us to think of ourselves as people first. The trouble with being a large and disempowered class is that it's easier to flit your affiliation to the group in charge than it is to organize several million downtrodden people. Meanwhile, men continue to think of themselves as the only kind of people that matter. Women do not vote with our vaginas as a rule. Maybe it's time we looked into that. Because as bad as Clinton's loss is symbolically for women, the practicalities of it are going to be even worse. A conservative justice on the Supreme Court could kill off Roe v. Wade for good. Clinton's platform explicitly included plans to legislate for maternity leave and fight against male violence. Trump is not so much a step backwards as a boot in the face for those issues. We've been told so many times that feminism is winning, has won, has gone too far. Our revolution never even arrived and today we meet the backlash amen to that this was written by sarah didham sarah that just brought chills to my spine i love you sarah and i am going to post this because i don't know if people read enough they don't (laughs) uh but that's the problem right there uh i i don't know if they'll be able to read that whole article and um I promised myself that I am definitely going to get more involved with things once he is in the White House. We have one month, basically, a month and a half until Inauguration Day, which is going to probably be one of the saddest days of this decade. I'm not going to say ever, but of this decade. It's, It's... the people that he has going into his cabinet are very scary. Like these are like if you want to talk about the boogeyman. Like moments like this, I do miss Pre- W. Bush. I never thought I would say that. Wow! Shit. Wow! Strong I words. Really, I and Dick Cheney's an evil fucker. 
I'm surprised he's not going into the cabinet. I mean, <laughs> dealing with the days of the W presidency and Karl Rove and and all those fuck faces. I don't. I mean, uh, I don't know. I it just uh, this is this is on another level. I, he at least I can say this. His W's cabinet. They were smart fuckers. They were smart, evil fuckers. Well, they were I mean, smart, evil fuckers because they manipulated people to to the point now of this is what we have. Be, well, George it, Bush Sr. was he was kind of a good president, I think. Oh, God. Um, and he knew what he was doing, so I didn't... I think a lot of people had confidence in his idiot son because they knew that he was the one behind it. That was the seed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, the thing is, it's just like... I'm so scared. I'm so this scared. Is, it's very scary. I mean, you have, so you have a guy who has an alt-right publication who's going to be chief of staff, who has said that his dislike, he said, uh, there was one of the um, interviews him and Donald Trump had uh, a couple years ago when he was talking about Asian, there's too many Asian CEOs in Silicon Valley, which... <laughs> Which, by the way, I have to say, the tech industry is the one industry in this country that is, I don't know, bringing money here, here to the country. Unfortunately, it's destroying a city badly. But, you know, the fact right there, Silicon Valley has a lot of money. And I'm sure they're not a fan of the fact that Steve Breitbart is the chief of staff. Neither are the Jews. Because he's not a fan of the Jews and the Jews. See, we got some power players. We at least have the Jews in Silicon Valley on our side if this guy becomes the chief of staff. Uh, I, but, but nothing we say matters. They're going to make changes and do things. And if they take away Roe v. Wade, I'm going to... I mean, that's my good. joke finally has relevance. Like, the joke I've been oh. saying, I made it up like... My late-term abortion joke, I made it up like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. And it never got any traction. No one liked to listen to it. And all of a sudden, it's like my A+. Material and it is killing. It's killing because this but, um, will, might be killed. Yeah, I mean, I told I, uh, God, whatever the history, whatever the nuances, whatever the charged sentiments associated with political activism, being a feminist is very simple. It means believing that women are and should be equal to men in matters of political, social, and economic. They should be able to vote. Uh, and. I'm just reading things off the What does feminism mean today? Feminism uh, doesn't mean anything right now. I well, clearly not. And I really I really enjoyed that article. I'm I just I'm just I'm pissed off at women who voted that way. You're stupid you're a stupid cunt. I'm just gonna <laughs> you know, that's what you wanna hear for the next four years. You're a stupid cunt, so I'm gonna say it for you. Um, if your teenage daughter gets pregnant and you want her to have an abortion, well, she probably can't anymore. Can you imagine that again? But I mean, if you have a teenage daughter and you don't, because of the right wing Christianity, whatever, you're not teaching sex education in schools because A, it's defunded and no condoms or anything. So there's no safety 
there and there's no Planned Parenthood to like teach you stuff and so basically it's the parents now that you better raise good girls and give them good self-esteem except that if the world outside says that they're meaningless and they don't have any self-esteem what do you think they're gonna do they're gonna fuck boys because the boys are acting like they like them and you aren't a real person unless you see yourself through the eyes of a man and we're taught that very early that That's women true. aren't real we're only real through the eyes of an observer we are only exist through the eyes of men and it is wrong and it sucks why why is that true why is that still why happening is that instilled into our brain and it I, I mean it, it makes me so sad because I remember 1992 I remember watching 90210 I remember feeling fat and not good enough because I wasn't pretty enough I'd be like well, I know I'm not ugly but am I pretty enough what the fuck yeah. And this is when I'm getting like straight A's. I'm worried like, why don't boys like me? Why don't boys like me? So much of my life has spent with why don't boys like me? Who the fuck cares? I still feel that way. And I, I tell myself, why do I still feel this way? Why, why am I... I mean, even as you get older, which is scarier because the fact that you're a woman getting older you know you're not as you're not wanted as much supposedly which i don't feel like it's true um we're tired we can't you know we're not sexually motivated which is false oh well like but men get to be sexually motivated look so i understand your double standard there it's like guys if they don't watch porn they're like what's wrong with you and for girls if you watched porn or at oh. least I don't I've never watched it but we're taught when we're little like that's disgusting, that's disgusting. don't do, don't I do love that pornography but like the thing is that we aren't taught to embrace our sexuality okay at least exactly. I wasn't taught no no you're right no you're embrace. right we're you're absolutely right we are not taught to embrace our sexuality and it's not about us having pleasure it's about them having pleasure or it's about having babies right or and it can't be about like so boys when they have more partners people go oh you're a stud but if you have multiple partners as a girl you're you're a slut slut. so it's like i don't that when that double standard comes into play in everything but that's the other thing is that we're we're valued men value you if you have sex with them we're taught but then if you have too much sex then you're not valued anymore exactly exactly and it's like well where's the line it doesn't make any sense like you're supposed to I, I just, it is, it sucks. Why do we give them the power? Why do we let them be in control? The majority of men are lazy. They, I just don't think guys work that hard. I don't think that men work as hard as women do. I just, or maybe. I, I, I feel, I definitely feel like the modern man does not work that hard at all. I think the modern man, I'll, I'll just speak of American men that I've came into contact with are lazy scared punk bitches it's so <laughs> but it's so like, bummer that you say bitches because then it turns them into women and it somehow makes them lesser because if you're a bitch that means you're not good well, enough now they know I'm how it feels then now they know how it feels but it they just, know how they know how yeah. it feels to be called something that's so like you but know it, that, that, that but that's a slur that demasculating them somehow calling them a woman is a slur like it should be like if you're like you're you're like a woman. It should be great because your means you're so much hard worker. But the difference is, we women have taken the word bitch and flipped it on our own as a positive. Like, yeah, I'm a bad bitch. Oh, right. Well, that happens. So, too. I mean, and I that know. to me, I am a bad bitch. If I'm going to be a bitch, I'm gonna be a badass motherfucking well, bitch. What's the name of that show that they all the girls are bitchy? Um, <laughs> Which one? There's like seven of them in a house, and they all get drunk and and they're crazy. Oh, at each other. Bad Girls Club. Bad Girls. Club. I love that show. <laughs> I yeah, love that they, show. They all uh, some of those girls are hot messes, though. I think, yeah, those some of those girls aren't bad bitches. They just they're just stupid. But uh, I mean, 
the modern American men have no idea how to talk to women. That's number one. And number two, I, I do notice the fact that if you're single, it's it's even worse to try to even date a man because men don't know how to talk to women. And I don't think they really ever have really known how to talk to women. Cheesy pickup lines don't work. Grabbing someone on the ass does not work. But, Sexually but harassing they're, but they're them and getting, grabbing them. They're getting the they're getting the information from somewhere that it's okay to do this. It's being passed on. It's been passed on for many generations. And they see things that on TV. I mean, people get motivated by things that they see on the TV and the internet. And that's, just look at the so Trump supporters. So just sad. look at the Trump supporters grabbing people by the pussy. You know that shit ain't okay. It's, so why are you doing do, it? And that's the thing. It was when people know something's wrong and they do it anyway. Uh, fighting for female equality, like most things, can be done in a thousand different ways. Depending on one's priorities, some ways are better than others. But in all of the ways are an attempt to achieve the same basic outcome. If you believe that women and men should be able and encouraged to fulfill their highest potential, you're a feminist. If you think women's vo- voices are as important as men's and that both sexes deserve equal opportunity you're a feminist that does not however mean that feminism requires subscribing to the full platform of pro-choice let's make it rain birth control (laughs) we need more women government mandates and more federal spending on women etc personally this is this is from um claire uh it's claire from uh carly fioriniona's departure from the something this is uh conservative feminist this she is was, uh, running for uh, the Republican Party uh, she's pretty arena yeah she says personally I'm pro-choice however a number of my fellow feminists are pro-life we agree that women should be able to make their own choices for their own bodies the disagreement lies in whether a woman should be given the choice to end another life if from a scientific and religious standpoint, you believe that life begins at conception. Allowing abortion based on a woman's right to choose is analogous to allowing a woman to kill the man next to her on the subway for violating her personal space. That's interesting. It, I mean, it, it, that's the thing is, no, I, I think that life starts after birth, when it's, it can't, life from conception, like that's like, that's, then you wouldn't eat no. eggs or something because no. you'd say that exactly you wouldn't exactly. eat I mean listen if you want to get abortion at, at, at before clump, after clump 60 cells, weeks clumpy clumpy yeah that listen that little nigga ain't no baby yet okay right <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's not even a fetus a, right okay right. I know because I've had an abortion I've seen what an abortion looks like and it, it didn't have no hands. Right. It's, I mean, so on the other hand, if you hold the view that a fetus is not a human life until it reaches viable viability, early term abortions don't infringe upon another's rights at the expense of the woman's bodily autonomy. And therefore, abortion should be allowed. Both views are quite reasonable. And it's a mistake to discount a woman's feminist views based on how and when she defines life as beginning. Here's the thing, though. If you don't want to be a mom, you shouldn't have to be a mom. And we kill people all the time. Thank what, you. What kind of life? What? what we go. How are you? How dare you say that we can't kill? The police can kill a guy on the street because he's black. 
People killed people all the time in wars happening. You know, thousands and thousands of people have been killed in Syria and their lives have no meaning. The people die in the collapsing buildings in Bangladesh because they're making our genes or whatever and we don't care about those lives. But there's a, but you're saying, oh, there's a baby, oh, there's an American baby inside you. Oh, it is so entitled already. Oh, we have to have as many American babies as we can. How dare you? How fucking dare they? You know, the sad thing is they're not looking at the safety of when that if that if that woman who does not want that child what happens to that child psychologically absolutely well that's my this. joke that's my joke that I've, I've been getting a lot of mileage out of my 17 year late term abortion joke <laughs> about how when it finally kills itself at 17 <laughs> with a huge heroin speedball overdose thing it's a 17 year late term abortion I didn't it was your choice America to put that kid through rehab four times not mine I didn't want to spend that money you paid for that you paid for that you paid for that you paid and, and that's like, the thing it's just like what about the child welfare yeah. if the mother does not want the child because of any any oh, any personal reason why would you endanger that child with someone that does not want them right exactly that's a child endangerment absolutely it makes no sense it makes no sense it makes no sense if I see but a it's dog called, oh it's a life and it's inside you and you I have this moral are you going to take care of it are you going to exactly. take care of it that was my other thing if who's going to who's going to take care of it give me a million dollars and I'll raise that kid I, I absolutely would, tax free not, exactly I would not want to see a child suffer <sighs> suffering exactly Crazy. No, it makes no fucking sense. Uh, similarly, most sane people support the idea that individuals who truly do the same work deserve the same pay, regardless of sex. The divisiveness comes when deciding what exactly constitutes equal work and how much of a role the government should take in deciding that issue. Is the employee who has been at the same job for 25 years really do the same work as his colleague who was hired two months ago? Is the employee who works a flexible 40-hour week really do the same work as an employee who has to be in the office from 9 to 5 each day? The reality is there are a lot of factors at play, and those questions usually don't have easy answers. Left to employees to decide, there's a risk that they'll act in their own best interests and reach whatever conclusion that gets them, get, lets them pay lower wages left to the government to decide they are likely to be one-size-fits-all mandates that don't accurately reflect industry or employee needs neither solution is perfect but one's personal trust in the free market versus one's trust in the government is what normally guides their decisions not their feminist beliefs Personally, I am both a proud feminist and a proud conservative. I work in a male-dominated profession, and I'm incredibly grateful for all the other feminists before me who've paved the way for women to work in jobs like mine. I support my fellow feminists who push for the stereotypical feminist platform, but ultimately, I think there are many other and often better ways that we can push for the same results. Uh, there's a major fallacy this is so this is the thoughts uh, one one reader says about the abortion stuff there's a major fallacy your readers make your there's a major fallacy your reader makes and it's insulting and reductive in the extreme allowing abortion based on a woman's right to choose is analogous to allowing women to kill the man next to her or on the subway for violating her personal space nope no not even close a pregnant woman is facing 18 plus years of support responsibility and sacrifice for the potential person she is carrying a woman sitting next to someone on the subway has no connection no responsibility no long-term commitment to that adult person 
The subway man is presumably autonomous and makes no demands on our woman besides perhaps taking temporary elbow space. She can end the connection between herself and the subway man by getting up and exiting the train at the next stop. Our pregnant woman has no such remove from the fetus she carries. She will be intimately connected to and responsible for that life until it reaches adulthood. Unless a child, and this is this is their response. Unless that child is adopted, of course, but it's they're certainly connected for nine months. Ugh. Shut. Anyways, it's a, that was a conservative take on feminism. I'm just yeah. interested in like. No, I think we. I think it's good to get both points of view. I mean, I. This is. We, we are going to have to have a conversation together about. Well, together, I mean, you know, liberals and conservatives about how how we're going to work this thing out. I just don't understand why being a conservative means that they get to be inside my uterus. I just don't understand. I don't understand how somehow they get control over my body because they think differently than me. And the thing is, you don't. And, and, I don't. I don't understand. And the thing is, that's not what cons- originally what being conservative was about. But the whole Christian right is the one that sparked this into into play because you remember who who signed a uh, roe v way during the nixon administration oh uh let's look it up uh wikipedia tells us everything 1973 uh it's it was uh, roe v wade and its impact this uh, oh god and this is the uh this is from the, the christian people's thing <laughs> so it's gonna be a, a bad one but um <laughs> let's see looking for the year just looking for a year since 1973 so you were right Uh, that was under the Nixon administration absolutely who was was a Republican so it's the Christian right good job since 1973 the battle has raged pro-life groups began to lobby their senators and representatives to propose a right to life amendment to the constitution although introduced in congress the measure has never received the necessary support pro-choice groups such as the national abortion rights action league fear that a slow erosion of abortion rights has taken place since roe v wade the fate of roe v wade continues to lie with the supreme court although every ruling since 1973 upheld the decision the composition of the courts changes with every retirement Activists on each side demand a litmus test for any justice named to the federal courts. Republicans have tended to appoint pro-life judges and Democrats uh, the other way. Um, I, I mean, I'm 40 years of legal abortion. I, what, what if it ended? I, I, I mean, what I, does it mean? Do, the thing is, if they start pushing IUDs, that's great. Like if you say, okay no more you, you're gonna have to be no more abortion so you have to be really 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 responsible and not get pregnant <laughs> it's like then you then we start giving everybody IUDs what about rape <laughs> right okay actually yeah because people rape people all the time it's true especially well I know it's I, all no of it it's, it's, there's it. no way there's, there's no, no way around, way around it no incest rape I mean there's just no way around it it's, uh I don't know. So on January, it's um, going to be, it's the, the the anniversary. Well, it was the 40th anniversary in 2013, which makes 2017. So the 44th. So this year, January, will mark the 44th anniversary of Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion in the United States. 
in ways not anticipated by the coalition of physicians and feminist health activists who fought to legalize abortion in the years leading up to Roe, the abortion conflict remains one of the most divisive issues in American domestic politics. More than any other issue, the abortion war symbolizes the still-contested concerns originally brought forward by second-wave feminists in the late 60s, the changing relationship between the genders, the place of women in that public sphere, the legitimacy of sexual activity separated from procreation, what have been the benefits and costs of this landmark Supreme Court decision? I mean, uh, let's, let's go on this a little bit. Uh, from a public health standpoint, legal abortion has unquestionably benefited women and their families. Thousands of American women who sought abortions used to die before Roe, and now women don't. <laughs> That's good. Uh, although we never know exact figures. I mean, didn't you guys see Dirty Dancing? Come on. Remember? Didn't you guys see this movie, If These Walls Could Talk? I didn't see If These Walls Could Talk. Oh, it's really good. It, it had it came out like in the 90s. It had like Cher and Susan Saran. It's like basically Demi Moore. It starts in the 50s before abortion was legal. Oh. And uh, Demi Moore's character um, was sleeping with a married man. She got pregnant. Uh, she couldn't afford, she knew, her friend knew a doctor that would come to her house, do the procedure. The procedure went botched up. She, uh, she did it in the kitchen table and she was laying there bleeding to death. <gasps> and then it transitions into 19, the 1970s, uh, during when the Roe v. Wade, uh, was one. And then it goes to the nineties to where there were, uh, doctors being murdered. Yeah. Um, uh, outside abortion clinics. And Cher she played this doctor. Um, and she was helping this young girl who her boyfriend brought in for an abortion and what have you. And she's like, listen, if you want 24 hours to find out if you get an abortion or if you want it, come back then, you know. Well, she came back 24 hours with her boyfriend. The boyfriend ended up killing uh, the doctor uh, at the abortion clinic. It's a really great movie. It's I will have these, to watch If These, if these walls, walls Could Talk. If These Walls Could Talk. Like my walls. Uh, my like walls my vaginal walls. My vaginal walls, walls a, won't be able to talk. Yeah. Its lips going to get grabbed. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, although we never know exact figures, estimates of the number of women who died annually from illegal abortion in the years before Roe ranged anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000. Many more women were injured, often losing their reproductive capacity. Immediately after Roe, uh, deaths and injuries from abortion declined dramatically, and today, only a handful of women in the United States die each year from complications of legal abortion. Many women are more, American women are more than 14 times more likely to die in childbirth than from a first trimester abortion. Although the anti-abortion movement has repeatedly claimed negative mental health effects for abortion, the charge has been decisively refuted by the mental health experts who state that the best predicator, predictor of a woman's mental health after an abortion is her mental health before the procedure. Yeah, duh. If bitches be crazy before, they're gonna be crazy after. That's the way it works. Uh, moreover, the presence of legal abortion has meant millions of American women have been able to have the family they've wished for, whether that meant delaying until ch uh, having children at a time they could be adequately taken care of or foregoing childbearing altogether. An underrecognized benefit of abortion is that it has enabled child spacing, which has positive health benefits for both women and children. Coinciding as it did with the reemergence of the women's movement and the introduction of oral contraception, legal abortion was part of a package that helped facilitate the entrance of American women 
in the 1970s and beyond into various professional professions and occupations in unprecedented numbers. Given the profound racial and economic stratification that characterizes the United States, the presence of both effective contraception and legal abortion has helped some women far more than others. Uh, they're getting boring on this part. Sorry. Bah, 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 bah. You guys are listening to the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. We're feminists. I just, I just, it, it, I think it's crazy that people still believe, I mean, it's, it's what I've been opening my sets with. You know, last week I learned that only some people hate black people, but everyone hates women. And, and cause it, I honestly feel like put us back in the kitchen, man. Uh, make us shut up. I guess that's what they want to do. I don't, I don't understand. It's making America great again. It's making, yeah, America was great when women would just shut the fuck up and put my dick in their mouths. The ever-growing strength of abortion opponents uh, as an electoral force explains the otherwise puzzling fact of why, after the 2010 elections, an election ostensibly about the economy, there was an unprecedented amount of abortion-related legislation in both Congress and the states. Okay, here, this is the stuff I want. Impact on feminism. For the feminine movement as a whole, the need to defend Roe has inevitably meant a lessened focus on other items in the movement's agenda. We might therefore think that the last 40 years as a period of opportunities lost. The millions of hours and dollars spent on legal defense, clinic defense, mobilizing of voters, lobbying of friendly politicians, and so on, have meant resources that were not available for other priorities of the movement, such as affordable quality childcare, job training and equal pay issues, and the more robust defense of welfare rights, and so on. Moreover, the presence of legal abortion has seemingly done, not done, much to change the situation of the most vulnerable women in American society. Currently, low-income women of color are significantly overrepresented in the pool of abortion recipients. This in turn reflects, among other factors, this group's high rate of unplanned pregnancies and their difficulties in obtaining the most reliable and more expensive forms of birth control. Abortion, for those in this group able to afford it, has made often very difficult lives somewhat more manageable and helped them better provide for the children they already have. 61% of abortion recipients are already mothers. Wow. Or hope to have at a later point. But the severe poverty rate, the number of households with incomes half of the official poverty threshold, has recently hit a record high in the United States, leading to the obvious conclusion that a far broader range of opportunities and services is needed to improve the status of these women and their families. <sighs> I, Yay, I just, abortions. It, I, I, I'm like, it's it's... It still baffles me of like why why do we have to talk about our personal issues? Why is this up for debate? Why is why has it been up for debate? And the Republicans always like to talk about small government, small government. Have the abortion issue will be a part of having small government because it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> That's why. Cuz it's none of your business. It's none of your fucking I mean, what's next? Not eating vagina? Oh, we're going to pass a legislation for not eating vagina. Like, I mean, there, it's always been a war against women. And trust me, being a woman of color, I am 
<laughs> it's double the dose it's for me. It's double the, yeah. Double the fun. Yes. Uh, but, hey, we live in a new age. Is, feminim- is feminism still relevant? I mean, that's the thing is that I, is. I put in, and I don't, I don't think it is because it, I can't even find anything on YouTube about feminism. That means that it's not relevant. If it's not on YouTube, it doesn't exist. And <laughs> it's true. I mean, come on. And if I put in feminism today, uh, there's feminism is a cancer comes right up. And the first thing that comes up is everything wrong with feminism today. I mean, it, it's so sad. And a funny thing, oh, feminism then versus now, look, my armpits are hairy. I mean, and all of these are old. Um, I I think that we should check out this, what's wrong with feminism today, if that's what comes up first. If I put in, hey, uh, feminism today, and what comes up is, feminism, it doesn't exist and it's stupid and there's something wrong with it. So in uh, in other words, it's already started with a negative connotation. Like, of course it has a negative connotation. People don't like feminism because because they they, they don't want women in power. I, or well, the the thing is, people find feminism just like they did back in the day as a threat. Like we're man haters. No one is. We're not man bashers. I'm becoming a man hater because the first the thing that they show us here is look at. Um, I have people trying on jeans for me because I hate because I feel terrible about myself and I don't like to look in the mirror. Oh, and blah blah blah. Okay, so okay. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see what happens here. Here we go. We're gonna check it out. You are essentially a bad human being if you're not a feminist," said Bollywood actress Kalki at a show. I wonder if she also talked about men who are suffering at the hands of women. Because if she didn't, then that goes against equality. Because if we are to speak of equality and the movement against the man's suppression of women is feminism, then what is the movement called when the woman happens to be the oppressor? There is no such movement, no belief system, no term, none, except for some subreddits, websites and Facebook pages. And that in itself is the absence of equality. Now, you might argue, since the inception of humankind, man has been the oppressor. So there is no movement or cause that man needs. Well, causes are attached with time. Back in the day, men may have not felt any need to invent such a cause and feminism was right to occur and is still relevant in many parts of the world. But now, in the modern world, with the shift of legal power, laws made in the favor of women, with the rising number of cases where the man gets screwed, you're wrong to assume that there need not be a movement equivalent to feminism for men who suffer at the hands of women. Which proves that if you don't talk about men's rights in a discussion on equality, then you're not talking about equality at all. Now, you might ask, in what cases do men suffer? How can that possibly be? Because in your head, the man is the supreme oppressor. Google misuse of 498A. That's the dowry law. Now, look at the number of suicides men have committed. I am sure examples of several men pushed to their death might have an impact on you. Then, (laughs) fake rape cases. Now, to you, this might be a canard. A mere fantasy men like to use to their defense or benefit to abuse feminism. Google fake rape cases in India. Then also consider the divorce laws set in favor of women all around the world. 
Also, while you're at it, just observe the marriage proposals in India. Women seeking men who earn thrice the money. Visit any of these matrimonial sites and you will find thousands of new girls signing I up every day. I think that maybe India is different. No, well, but they as have a, preaching to any of these women, they the have true a large uh, uh, rape culture. Reply, and well, a lot of men, men have been getting finally put in jail because marrying girls of that. Wasn't it in India that the girl was raped do. on the bus by yes, like, they are doing like 10 people gang raped on the bus? Yes. When you talk about feminism, you are basically talking about breaking the set norms. Very similar to this norm, which is regressive and sexist towards men. A guy would happily marry a girl earning the same as he does. But girls, more than usually, don't marry such guys. Yeah, I can't listen to him anymore. He's an idiot. Uh, He doesn't even make any sense. But the thing that's crazy is that there is nothing... That was the first thing that That was the first thing that popped up. Wow. And that's from a month ago. And then all the other videos are... What does feminist, modern feminism mean anyway? That's from two years ago. Feminism today in America, ladies, can we talk? That's from a year ago. This is crazy. This is, do you know why this is fucking crazy? Is that there's going to be a woman who's the president. We should be talking about fucking feminism. Why have we been talking about feminism this entire time? What, what is, ah, uh, man. Of course she wasn't going to win. People don't, there's a. People p- pick the scary white dude over the, the lady that has that you know she she knows her job you know she would have been better at the job she's skilled for the job there's no this is just crazy to me because there's no and then here's feminism is the worst thing to happen to a woman people i mean there's nothing there's just there's There's no positive you just got a bunch of women bashers on (laughs) yeah i'm saying what is why is feminism a bad word uh, I'm gonna see. Look, this exists right away. Why is feminism bad? That's the first thing that pops up. The first thing that the search, the Google searches, you put it. Why is feminism? And it says, Why is feminism bad? What are we doing? Why are we so negative about women? I don't. What? I've been fighting against this wow. my entire life. That I have been. If I if I would ju- just have been a dude, my life would have been so much different. Well, I would have been a professional ballerina because I would have been like a really good ballerina if I had been a boy. <laughs> but people might have actually listened to me. And I honestly feel like... We're, I, we're not respectable creatures. We're just there to be looked at, there to pop out children, there to clean our houses. And if we do something the differently, then we're bad people or something. If you... You know, I don't want to have... That's the thing is that they created me. They made me an American. They made me so vain and hate my body so much that I'll never have a baby because I'm afraid of being fat. Like, come on, America. You body shamed me so hard that I'll never have a baby. So you make me go against my own, like, my own, you know. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, like, women don't stick together. They don't. We obviously found that out after this election. Stupid bitches. Uh, uh, Let's see which these are... We've got why pe- feminism poisons anything, everything. Oh my god. Milo Yanipoulos on why modern feminism is cancer. Why I think modern feminism is a joke. Why I am not a feminist. Feminism, objectifying women bad, objectifying men good. The feminist double standard. Am I a bad fem? This is terrible. I mean, I'm so sad that we don't we don't value we, we don't we don't value the person that gives you life 
That's what it Why? is. It's it's what's with, wrong without with without us, y'all men would not be here. You don't value your mothers, you don't value your sisters, you don't value your daughters. You don't respect them. What how is this? I mean, what why why do we buy the why do we drink the juice that says we're not good enough and we let it keep happening like I don't because we I women can't. don't know how to stick together we don't I, obviously we don't you know what we clown let's each see, other let's, this is gonna be this is gonna be a clowning right here three men gang raped her held her at gunpoint beat her husband up and forced their children to watch as they saw their mother being sexually assaulted so my question to you guys is where art thou feminists? I don't hear anything. Nothing. Where's your half a million reblogs on Tumblr bringing awareness to this woman? Syria. Oh no, she's an ex-porn star and that doesn't meet your true feminist label. Right. Uh, That's why this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he's just in his bedroom recording. Some but shit. how does it? How does he? If he has one hundred and fifty-four thousand eight hundred and seventy-five views, that's insane. That's insane. He has a real, like, following. So yeah, he has a real following, and because people are fucking idiots, you believe everything you see on the TV, on the YouTube. People are sad. There's no critical thinking. No critical thinking whatsoever. Well, I. Let's see if we can cr find critical thought on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Good luck. Right? Here we go. Critical thinking doesn't matter. I hope so. Do we think it matters? This is a TED Talk. Hello. So I'm here tonight to talk. I'm here tonight to talk to you about critical thinking and whether or not it matters. This talk used to have a different title, but my friends convinced me that that was sort of harsh. And so I needed to develop a new thesis, which was not that people are stupid, but rather that people think badly. But then that left me with a new problem, which was, why do people think badly? Well, my first thought was maybe they don't have a lot of formal education, but personal experience has shown me that formal education is no shield against shoddy thinking. <laughs> Next, I thought, maybe they just don't have good information. And then my final thought was, maybe those people are just gullible. I was surprised to find out that that's a word that doesn't appear in any dictionary. <laughs> but, uh, Let me talk about some historical examples of bad thinking. This is Charles Ponzi. He was a charming Italian immigrant to the United States in the 1920s. And he had an amazing new investment idea. Word got around about this idea, and investors poured their money in. What Ponzi would do for you is if you parked your money with him for 30 days, he would return it with up to a 50% increase just one month later. So again, that became a very popular idea. Well. People at the time didn't realize that Ponzi was the inventor of what's now known as a pyramid scheme, also known as a Ponzi game. But until they realized that, a lot of people made a lot of money right up until they didn't when the scheme <laughs> collapsed. Ponzi went to jail for a brief time and then was deported back to his native country. 
perpetual motion machines have held a real fascination for inventors for the last several hundred if not thousand years. The idea of extracting free energy somehow is a very, very lucrative and seductive one. Now, to do that, you have to play with the laws of thermodynamics. Everybody know the law of, laws of thermodynamics, right? You can't win, you can't break even, you can't get out of the game, right? So, that said, perpetual motion machines tried to defy that through clever systems using magnets and waterfalls and siphons and gravity and counterweights. Uh, they purport to extract free energy from the universe somehow. The patent office of the United States government was so besieged by applications for these things that finally they said, no more. Stop bothering us unless you can bring us a working model that you can park out in our outer office where it will run for one year with no intervention. And since then, applications have been way down. This is a rendition of snake oil. Snake oil is kind of a catch-all term from the last hundred years or so ago. Uh, Pre-FDA, Food and Drug Administration, anybody could put anything in foods or drugs, and they frequently did. A real popular uh, ingredient in cough medicines at that time was laudanum. Now, laudanum, we now know morphine, which is an extremely effective cough suppressant. In FDA, pre-FDA, non-regulated dosage days, it's also an except, exceptionally effective breathing suppressant, <laughs> which is one way to cure your cough. <laughs> this is Ellen White. Ellen White was a prophetess. She told people around her that she was getting visions from heaven. And people started to believe her. They were listening. When okay, what about critical thought? That the world was going to end in 1841, and again in 1843, <laughs> and yet again in 1845. Well, you'd think by then that nobody really would have been listening, but thousands of people flocked to her side. They doubled down on these failed predictions. When she predicted it, yet again, the end of the world in 1851, people were not really disturbed that time. Maybe they were a little relieved that the world wasn't ending. But the important thing is she kept getting visions and eventually she had a vision of a school on a hill and she found a partner and they built Loma Linda University. They must be rhinos. Rhinos came up in a talk earlier tonight and I want to talk about rhino horn. Uh, an earlier speaker talked about a horn on a rhino that was worth two million dollars and the reason it's worth a lot of money is because of really shabby critical thinking. The idea of using powdered rhino horn as a cure for fever or impotence has been around for thousands of years. And because people are too dumb or too lazy to go out and buy aspirin or Viagra, <laughs> we have this beautiful creature that's being driven right to the edges of extinction. Okay, well, so I've shown you that historically people think badly. Well, why do they think badly is our next question. And I have some renditions here. This is an example of what's known by psychologists as groupthink. Groupthink uh -huh. means when you're a part of a group that wears uniforms or has a secret password or is what psychologists call an... 
Groupthink. Talk to me about groupthink for a second. Have you ever, like a sorority, or have you ever been in a thing where um, you're supposed to? I, I, I guess was cheerleading to, would be a group thing. I guess cheerleading, but I quit. Okay. Because I noticed that I did not want to be a follower. Right. Um, I almost, my mom, she was an AKA, which was a sorority, and my mom wanted me to be one. And I said, I don't want to buy my friends. Right, right. right, um, right. And, you know, I was like on a basketball team, but. I think that's a little bit more individuality. Well, but yeah, group thing. I, I guess a basketball. I wasn't team, in like in JROTC question. or anything like right, that. Right, 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 right. You know. Okay, I was just curious to see what your experience of group think was. In group, it's really hard, literally, to step out of line with the decisions of that group. A member of the National Security Council of the United States government blamed group think for the unanimous decision to go to war against Iraq. The ASH experiment. ASH experiment uh, basically was, again, was the, the ASH experiment was put together by a psychologist of that name, and he discovered that if you have, if you have people look at the line on the left and then ask them, which of those three lines, A, B, or C, is the line on the left most like, if nine people say A, the tenth person not knowing that the other nine people are collaborating in advance with the experimenter, that tenth person... He's showing us lines and saying that if everyone else says they do it, then people will choose the wrong answer because everybody's doing it. I would never do that. I would never do that. Not a follower. Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning and Kruger are two psychologists at Cornell University, and they became fascinated with the idea of incompetence after reading a story about a bank robber who successfully robbed two banks but was unsuccessful at evading capture. Now, the reason for that was that the bank robber knew that lemon juice can be used for invisible ink writing. And he made the jump in reasoning that if he coated his face with lemon juice prior to robbing the bank, it would render him invisible to the bank's security cameras. Now that didn't work out so well. That's bad thinking, that's, that's not bad. critical His thought. friends identified him on the evening news and Dunning and Kruger came away with their big takeaway, which was this, truly incompetent people are too incompetent to even recognize their own incompetence. Okay. Huh, that's really but interesting. Yeah. Historically, people think badly. There may be some hardwired reasons we need to overcome with regards to thinking badly. There's a couple of tools. There's a lot of tools out there, but there's just a couple that I'm going to put out in front of you today. This is William of Ockham. He was a priest oh, about a razor. thousand years ago who came up with what I think is a really great idea. It's now known as Ockham's Razor. And Ockham's Razor is this. All things being the same in any given situation, the simplest solution is usually the correct one. Seem good? So that means when you lose your keys, you don't need to invoke the CIA or alien abduction. Basically, you just laid your keys down, you're retired, and they're probably somewhere in your house. Yeah, they're probably if in your refrigerator. If you read a news story about a, an announced military exercise in Texas, you don't need to put together a conspiracy with secret prisons in the basements of abandoned Walmarts because it's probably what it is on its face, a military exercise that's been previously announced in Texas. 
This is my favorite example. This is one I hope you'll take away tonight. This is Emily Rosa. Emily Rosa is the youngest person to have her name on a peer-reviewed professional paper in a medical journal and at nine years old. Now the thing about Emily was she became fascinated with an idea that was making the rounds in the 1970s in the United States, a pseudo-medicine called touch therapy. Touch therapy practitioners claimed that they could see an aura around people, that they could not only see this aura, but they could touch it, they could manipulate it to diagnose and treat disease. It's hard to refute that. How do you know that I can't see your auras? It's hard to prove. But Emily Rosa asked for some practitioners to help her in an experiment. They willingly did so. I think they truly believed that they were able to see those auras and feel them, which was the critical part of her experiment. She had a large piece of cardboard, taller than her, and then cut a hole in it large enough to put your hand through. She then invited practitioners to put their hand through the cardboard hole with her standing on the other side where they couldn't see her and then tell her whether or not they could feel her aura as she suspended it above their hands. Well, when they added up the results, the practitioners didn't even do as well as the law of averages would dictate. So that was a multi-million dollar industry brought down by a little girl with a big piece of cardboard. It means you don't need a lot of formal education or fancy equipment to be able to think critically. <laughs> well, what about this? Does any of this matter? People say to me, Bart, why don't you just leave those people alone? Everybody can think what they want. I'm going, no, they can't. There's a reason for that. Let me show you why. And I want to say, not everybody is on board with this program. A major political party in a major state, I'll, I won't name either, it was the Republicans in Texas, <laughs> passed a resolution the in their legislature banning critical thinking, thinking. in public schools. What? Yep. Which gives everybody here at SAS a big advantage because you're a private school, right? Okay, this is why they it banned matters. critical thought in Texas? About 15 years ago in New York City, okay. this man began to offer this fantastic return to investors. If they brought money to him, a year later he'd return it with huge gains, no questions asked. And people didn't ask questions. Everybody recognized Bernie Madoff? <laughs> this time, thousands of people lost millions of dollars and lives, including that of the Madoff family, were ruined. This is Jim Jones. He was a charismatic preacher in Southern California in the 1970s. He convinced his followers that they were going to be persecuted and imprisoned by the U.S. government for their religious beliefs. He invited them to a colony in South America, which he had founded. They did that. There, he grew increasingly isolated and more paranoid, and then finally told his followers that now the U.S. government was coming for them, and they would be imprisoned for their religious beliefs. And the only escape was to follow him directly to heaven, which 900 of them did, drinking cyanide out crazy? of vats oh, God, filled with great cooling. 900 people. Well, what about this? Me. People say to me, well, maybe I could just do some research on the internet and then make up my own mind, decide for myself. I'll tell you, that's a really bad idea. This is what you get out of that. <laughs> Anti-vaccine advocates over the last two decades have led the way in the resurgence of childhood diseases that were nearly extinct just a few years ago. Disneyland last year had an outbreak of measles. How what? 1950s yeah. is that? What? Yeah. 
some people, when they look up in the sky and see chemtrails, is what they see when they see jet contrails going overhead, and they say, oh, the government must be spraying us with nefarious chemicals for some reason. If you ask them, what about that? Where's your evidence? They'll say, sorry, you're either part of the problem, you're part of the conspiracy, or you're a dupe of the mainstream media. Homeopathy is a pseudo-medicine based on the idea that the smaller the dosage of a medication, the more effective it is. That doesn't make any sense. You heard that, right? That's... And that means that these sugar pills I'm showing you should be perfect for curing the headache you're probably getting from this talk because they contain 0% aspirin. They should be 100% effective. Okay, P.T. Barnum said, there's a sucker born every minute. Actually, P.T. Barnum didn't even say that. One of his competitors did. But <laughs> okay, that's what, what it comes down to is there's always going to be a crop of new people coming along that need to be educated. You know somebody's going to walk out of here and go to their dictionary, right? And be looking under G for gullible. <laughs> Let me close with this story. This is where this is all, is that it's not a process that's ever going to end. In Bali, in Indonesia, they tell a charming story of a creature called the Rangda. And the Rangda periodically comes out of the forest and clouds men's minds and makes them think badly and do evil things. And when that happens, the Baranga needs to come out of the forest and that's a power for good and it battles the Rangda and it drives it back into the forest after diminishing it but it can never kill it. It represents the struggle, the eternal cyclical struggle between good and evil. And I think with critical thinking, it's the same thing. Essentially, this is a process that's never ending, and it's one that we can't ever really hope to win, but it's one that we can't afford to lose. Thanks very much. That was an educational factor. Well, I wish that he would have... Uh... He gave some good examples about like what is critical thought, but he didn't like he's bad thinking, shoddy thinking, as opposed to like critically going through things. I, I mean, I guess group thing. I've always been a critical thinker then, and I think it's because I've always read. I've never wanted to just swallow the party line. No, and believe I've never what the group, be in the group I've always wanted to be uh, never the follower because that means I had no identity, right? You know, no individuality. You know, I've never wanted to shop at the same places like a lot of people shop at because I don't want it, it's it's well like someone that. had my prom dress, which I couldn't believe because it was this <laughs> crazy white thing with the with this feather stuff on it and uh-huh. I was like, How could anybody possibly have my prom dress? But absolutely some Yeah, it's it's like little things like that. But I mean it, it what it boils down to and I'm glad he did mention Texas and like how the Texas Supreme Court wanted to ban critical thinking you can't ban the way someone thinks I mean you can't ban intelligence well you can educate to the point where you're teaching to the test and you teach people to find I guess to, to know the right answer to look it up I don't know but I, it's not, but to the, find the answer yourself I, I wish that I don't know. I have the, some of the, the kids I hang out with, though, are they're really actually like pretty cool critical thinkers. So I don't, I don't know. And, what the I mean, is. and this is what he says boils down to exactly what happened with this election. You know, yeah. there was no critical thinking. It, no, there wasn't. And, that, and that's the dangerous thing. People believe everything that they see on TV or what they read or what they see on the internet, and you, you don't take time 
to look for yourself, to do your own research. Well, we know feminism has been put back. We're back. Yeah. We're going. We're we are. Welcome to the dark ages. Yeah, we're back. It's back to the dark ages where Ooh. women can can't make decisions for themselves and they can be physically assaulted at any time. Yay. Yay. Um, so that, this was a fun, this was a fun, um, feminist slash, I, I mean, I wished that critical thought thing would have been a little bit I more actually about critical enjoyed, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, it but I was, I mean, it, 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 there just wasn't anything on feminism in the, I, I, no, if it doesn't I, exist on YouTube, it doesn't exist. I, I looked think, up I feminism right. and it was all negative. See, I can't be, I can't be all optimistic negative. anymore. It can't be op- I'm like I have no optimism whatever happened to yes we can and now I'm like I just I fucking can't <laughs> I can't oh I'm <sighs> that was the 2008 uh, Barack Obama uh, slogan uh, yes we can and then there was hope and now my slogan is just nope 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 no hope nope. no hope <laughs> that's yeah, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, you said nope. it first. It's no, it's no hope. No hope. All right. Uh, we have no hope. Yeah. Uh, this has been the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Thank you, Latoya, as always, Thank for you, sharing Mel. the time with me here. Uh, coming up next is Some Call Me Tim, special guest comedian Terry Dorsey. And uh, we're, we have pervert fervor here, and things are going to happen. Uh, it's the it's the it's the women thing i guess i just i just can't back to the kitchen bitch back to the kitchen Uh, i need to go make some more pot cookies all right see you guys next week Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics.
It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission High vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door and promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. 
incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Thank you, Adam. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! hour what could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience puppets kittens unicorns porn maybe oh well stage time makes them happy and this super happy comedy open mic is open every friday from 6 to 8 p.m but you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at mutiny radio fm index at podcasts pcrcollective.org So come live or listen later or to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up. Again, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah! I got it. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples 
paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> On my titties like you wanted me Calling me all the time That Bondi check out my Chrissy behind It's fine all over the time What else is in the teachers of peaches? Like sex on the beaches Uh, what? Huh? Right? What? Uh, huh? What? Right? Uh Cause it's the best 